Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm the podcast announcer. Fred wanted to give me the title Head Sound Designer, but I reminded him I have a reputation to uphold. As Seven says, we won't be doing that anytime soon. I'm happy to announce the third season of the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Fred is still the podcast host. The purpose of the podcast continues to be the exhortation, encouragement, and exploring the details of a passionate, growing, biblical, dynamic, and soul-satisfying prayer life. Prayer is the lifeline for Christians. The discipline of prayer leads us to glorify God, helps us in conforming to His eternal will, and part of our experiencing the blessings of eternal life here and now. Thank you for joining Free Range Preacher in our odyssey with God through prayer. And now, once again, here's our host, Fred. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. We just bow before you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your mercies and your grace for us. We bless you that we are in your presence at all times. We thank you, Holy God, for your mercies to us to bring us to salvation, to lead us to your presence, Lord Jesus, and to allow us to come into your presence every single day and pray. We worship thee for thou art the God of the universe and thou hast been mindful to us, even knowing our frame, that we are dust and that we are sinful. You came to redeem mankind for yourselves, and you have chosen us to reveal the gospel to us and to let us participate in your great and wonderful will for us. I do thank you, Lord Jesus, that the desire to pray is as real for your children as is the desire for the natural child to learn to talk, who wants to express himself to his father and mother and to those around him, that every little daughter wants to express the love that she has and every son the love that he has as well. I would pray that you'll teach your people to pray. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive our adultness in the flesh that we find reasons not to pray, find reasons to doubt your word. I just pray that you would let the inner cry of our inner man come out and that you would teach us to develop that prayer life with you, seeking you in and for all things. Today, Holy God, I pray that you would take the words that are spoken and help us to remember those things that will edify and forget all the rest. Help your simple slave to say the right things and anything that I say that's not the right thing, Lord Jesus. Help your people to forget. Help us to speak forth your word and to concentrate on your word and again to understand our relationship is a true relationship, and we can come to you and talk. We can come to thee, holy God, and talk every single day. We bow before you. We pray that you'll sweep away from our minds the things that would distract us and help us to focus on thee, thy word, and the glory it is to know eternal life right now through prayer and through the study of your word. We present all these things to you, holy God praising you in worship because you are Yahweh Shema, the God who is present. Help us to run into your presence and give you the glory and seek your face. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray all this and commit it to you. It is in that name, Holy God, that we pour out our hearts to you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the podcast host. I tell it to you every time you listen, and Richard tells it to you every time you listen. But it seems appropriate that we should, somehow. And you might call me Fred the Simple and the Blessed, because both of those are true. And the Lord teaches the simple, it says in his word. And he does bless us beyond measure as well. And having the ability to talk about prayer with other people or the other children of God is a blessing in and of itself. In accord with that blessing, we are coming back today to the Lord's Prayer, specifically Matthew 6.13. We are looking at the second phrase of our sticky wicket. The first sticky wicket we saw, the first little troubling phrase we saw was, lead us not into temptation. And now we are looking at the cry, but deliver us from evil. And we might subtitle this episode, The Perspicuity of Prayer. Now, I learned perspicuity, that word, I believe, from R.C. Sproul. And I probably learned all my big words, any big word that I know from Dr. Sproul. But basically, it indicates a plain, the plain truth of something, clear, lucid, in context, it is so apparent that it hardly needs any explanation. And yet sometimes we do explain the very simple, don't we? Especially when we're talking to our children. And of everything that we've looked at in the Lord's Prayer here, this next phrase, but deliver us from evil, may be the most identifiable phrase that we could look at. Nobody wants to be subject to or faced with evil. Now, I mentioned when we looked at the last phrase that some people look at this verse and say, the temptation is not evil or sin, but trials. And while I think all that is wrapped up in there, nobody wants to be in a trial, the basic tenet of a trial is that we are subject to evil. And we dread that from our souls. That's one of those baseline fears that we have. Nobody wants to be subjected to or the object of any sort of evil. It almost seems silly to declare it a sticky wicket, but at the same time, it is a sticky wicket for two reasons. And we do need to wrestle with these verses and come to grips with the reason that this is a sticky wicket. And it is the most natural of our call, especially in the flesh, especially in the fallen world that we live in, to plead to God, our protector, to keep us from evil. And sometimes we have the unrealistic attitude or expectation that because we're God's children, we should never be subject to evil in any way. And that's one of the things that makes this a sticky wicket and the whole concept a sticky wicket, as we're going to see. And we have touched base with this before as far as trials are concerned. But this thought that we are going to be protected from evil continually, all the time, while we are in this fallen world, while we are in our earthly pilgrimage, that's incorrect. It's not biblical. It's not good biblical theology. And it causes us consternation. 
Until then, we mature. We can really be devastated when, in fact, we do face evil. Even though we would realize in the reading of God's word that it is not, not only not uncommon for the people of God to face evil, it is part of our, again, our sojourn, our pilgrim pilgrimage here. And we've talked about that in trials. And we're going to look at that again here today. But the next thing that makes this the next level of our sticky wicket here is when we realize that God's plan, God always has a plan in mind when we are confronted by or subject to evil. He does. And in fact, there is a Puritan phrase, and they used to talk about the secret counsel of God. And what they meant by that is that there are aspects, there are aspects of this life that we live in the flesh. And I think they would put almost everything into the category of God's inner workings, how God made his plan and why he made his plan. And those things are, for the most part, secret from us. We don't know why. Very often, we don't know why we are subject to certain trials in certain situations. But we have been given enough information to rest and to have faith that our God does have a purpose even when we are facing evil. And it's in his secret counsel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in their plans that we have to rely on his goodness and his mercy to us. We do, however, though, have two insights into, biblical insights into the secret counsel of God. And that's how we are going to introduce this this phrase today. In the life of Job and in the life of our old friend Peter, we will see that they both testify to the secret plans of God. Things that are revealed to us that Job didn't know at all and that Peter knew. But we see the big picture now with Peter. So there's even insights that we have that Peter didn't have. And even the inner workings for Peter, he didn't see, but Jesus did tell him about it. So if you want, you can turn your Bibles to Job 1. We don't talk about that much, but I think I will from now on. We're going to start in Job 1, verse 7. And then we are going to be privileged to the throne room of God and to his secret counsel, which is not secret anymore. But the passage reads this way. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered and said, From roaming about on the earth, walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now to touch all that he has, and he will surely curse thee to thy face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. And then we know from the book of Job 
the havoc that the devil caused or asked God to cause in the life of Job. So we know from Job that not only did he face evil, but God was the the engineer of the evil that he faced. Now, there is a great amount of maturity before any of us find it easy to swallow that passage, to come to the truth of the word of God and say, God goaded Job, or God goaded Satan into attacking Job. He had a hedge about him, which is a good prayer to pray for ourselves and for our friends, but he goaded God, taunted the devil, until the devil threw out the challenge. And the devil threw out the challenge because in his twisted thinking, in his evil thoughts, he had no idea that Job had a relationship with the holy God of the universe and that that relationship would sustain Job through even losing everything. But you and I, we still have to confront and wrestle with the fact that Scripture says God did this. Now we see, we're going to fast forward to Peter's life, the second time that God gives us this insight, this look into the keyhole, if you will, at the inner workings of his sovereign rule over all the earth. Luke 22, verse 31, if you want to turn there. Jesus, the night before his betrayal, or the night of his betrayal and his crucifixion, as Peter is bragging, saying, what a great follower he is, Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthened your brothers. Now here, Peter even has more insight than Job because he says, you're not going to fail this test. Job's came right out of the blue. And when you get through it, strengthen your brothers. I still have a plan for you. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but as I understand this passage in the Greek, the clear implication is when Jesus says Satan demanded permission, the clear implication is that Jesus gave him the permission to sift Peter like wheat. So again, that next level sticky wicket, not only Are we going to face evil, but God allows it and engineers it? We're going to see why. Obviously, it's for our good and for his glory, but we're going to see why as this unfolds. Today, though, I want to concentrate on the story of Job. And Job is one of the chosen ones of God, obviously. God hedged about him. But again, we get into mire even a little bit more as we see that God had this plan all along. In the life of Job. And we can see Job is also an illustration of our dilemma. When we listen to him, we can put ourselves in his shoes. If we turn to Job 31, 35, this is the last of Job's defense of himself. We hear him say this, verse 35, we're going to go through 37. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, Here is my signature. I'm signing on the dotted line. Sorry about that. Then he goes on. The verse goes on. Let the Almighty answer me in the indictment by which the adversary has written. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it to myself like a crown. 
I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. Oh, man, what a thing to say. But that's when we get that idea, right? That we shouldn't efface evil, that we shouldn't be subject at all to evil. In Job, it's actually more bold than the rest of us. No matter how he started, how humbly he started this trial, and how patiently in he endured it, by the end, he is basically saying in that passage, 35 through 37, God is not fair. This situation is not right. And when I get a chance, I'm going to talk to him like a prince. And I'm going to give him what for. Those, like I said, are the last defense of Job. Then we hear a little bit from Elihu. And then God responds. We're not going to focus on Elihu or God's response. But we are going to look in just a little bit at Job's eternally helpful response. And we will look at Peter's response as well. Because both men here, both Job and Peter, are the penultimate result. Or they show us the penultimate result of the people of God, his chosen ones, facing every kind of evil. Even though we plead to be delivered from them, in the end, we are going to see his good. I want to really, really quickly note, first of all, in neither case does God threaten or punish or slap around either Peter or Job. (laughs) Even when Job says, I'm going to walk in like a prince. And you may have thought like I did the first time. I'm not sure why there wasn't a bolt of lightning and a little puff of smoke when Job said that. But God is truly a compassionate God, a forgiving God, and he reveals his most glorious act of forgiveness and compassion and mercy in the life of Job. Because even though Job was a righteous man, because of the grace of God, because of the hedge about him, he was still a sinner like the rest of us. And the result in Job's life, and we've seen this in Peter's life as well, the result of the secret counsel of God, even in his subjecting us to evil, the results are godly and eternal. The results are humility, repentance, and service to further his kingdom. And remember way back early in this prayer, thy kingdom come, we understand that that's what God is doing right now. That's the most important thing, not what we face as individuals. In the end, after his trial, after being subject to fear and evil, Peter was so humbled by his failure and the sifting that Jesus allowed him to go through, he was able to say this, and this is in 1 Peter 5, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight and not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. 
At one point in Peter's life, he argued with the other disciples over who was the greatest disciple. And now he's telling them to humbly exercise their oversight and to be the example of what they are expecting or teaching their flock is probably the better way to put that. And Job, this is actually one of my favorite passages in Job, one of the first ones I memorized. So if I do slip into Old King James, you can forgive me that. In Job 42, starting in verse 1, he answers God this way. After God reveals himself, which is actually all God did to for Job and for Peter, is reveal himself, reveal his mercies, reveal his power. After all that, Job says this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do all things, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. Therefore I retract, and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I'm sorry about that. The the New American Standard says dust and ashes. Both Peter and Job faced the secret counsel of God, not knowing exactly what evil that was going to come into their lives. But the result, when God showed them his glory, was humility, repentance, and service to God Almighty. That's what he's getting at. And when we face evil of any kind, God has engineered that to bring us to that humility, repentance, and service. Part two of this episode is going to be two more biblical illustrations of the real-life children of God, the chosen ones, who essentially pray the the same thing to be delivered from evil, but get two different answers. And the remarkable part for me is that one of those men, Habakkuk, is going to be used from his time all the way through the New Testament. Whenever you read, but the righteous man shall live by faith, that verse is speaking of Habakkuk, who actually got the answer no. He was not delivered from evil, but he is exemplified as Job is in patience, Habakkuk is in faith. We'll look at that next time. But right now, Christian souls... Those redeemed by Jesus Christ, cry out from God, cry out to God from your heart. Pray, deliver us from evil. And even if you have to wrestle with it, though, remember that if evil comes, you will be delivered in a special way, but the evil that you face will cause glory to God, service for you, and advancement in the kingdom of God. It all cycles right back around to the beginning of this prayer, right? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And when we face evil, his name is glorified. We get to be part of that kingdom no matter what his will is for us. Until next time, let us all agree agree together. 
Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And just as a reminder, the evil we face, if we have to face that or when we have to face that, I am praying will be part of the instruments that drive us to our sincere, dynamic, growing, biblical, and soul-satisfying prayer life. Be blessed, especially in prayer. Thank you for listening. The ministry prays the Lord will use this episode as He chooses to enhance our prayer lives to the glory of God. If you would like to contact us with questions or comments or even personal testimonies on prayer, you can contact us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com, Facebook, Free Range Preacher Ministries, Instagram, Free Range Ministries, Twitter, at Preacher Range. If you have any voiceover needs, you can contact Richard Durrington at richarddurrington.com or email at durringtonr at gmail.com. Fred and I wish to once again just say thank you for listening.